Hey everybody, welcome to the Cosmic Car Wash Podcast. Uh, I'm Paul, and I'm uh, this is Rick, and super excited to be back with you today. Um, yeah, after last week, uh, we got, you know, we were talking about um, God's poetry kind of toward the end, and that's what really informed this. I thought, well, let's just kind of go on that, because we were starting into something really beautiful, and I thought we would just kind of run with it, so... Yeah, let's just do it, and uh, we'll go from there and see where the conversation takes us. Again, neither one of us are theologians or scholars. Uh, we're just two guys who love God and are excited about the kingdom of God and Amen. the very soon coming of our king and the great renewal. And yes. everything we do, like our podcast says, this is a podcast about the kingdom of God. and Who we are matters and what we do matters. So that's what we try to focus on. So. Yeah, I'll uh, kind of read here. I'm reading here on my, my phone from the Version Bible app. Uh, the core verse that we kind of want to focus on is uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. But uh, I think I'll back up just a couple of verses to verse 8, kind of start from there. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, so bear with me, those of you that are NIV or King James or New Revised Standard, you know, readers, whatever. Uh, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And then our key verse here. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And how does that tie into God's poetry? Uh, I mean, this is something that I was introduced to through a, a video that we mentioned briefly last week. Um, the, the YouTube channel is called Letters to the Exiles, and the, the video is called The Useless Video. I highly recommend anybody that's, that's watching this, uh, go check that out. It's, I don't know, five or six minutes long and, you know, not a, a super time-consuming video, but it talks about the fact that... Uh, when it says we are God's masterpiece, I think the NIV might say we are God's workmanship. But in the uh, New Internet or in the Greek, that translate that Greek word is poema, mm -hmm. or I think it's called P O I E M A, poema. Yeah, and that's where we get our word poem. So what Scripture is literally saying here is we are God's poetry. Yeah. So see the title of this podcast: the poetry of God. That's you. That's me. That's us. We are the poetry of God. And so uh, there's uh, there's other verses that talk about um, how God predestined us and he knew, you know, the whole scope of our lives before he created us. And it goes on to say here that even the good works, God's already planned in advance for us to do those things. Like there's he has done everything. He's laid it all out there for us. And he has. Uh, put a lot of thought and care and intense interest into us, you know. So, um, yeah, Norik, I know you got some thoughts on that, so I'll let you kind of dive in, and, and we'll go from there. So. Well, thank you. I like to consider myself somewhat of a, a poet. I've been writing for years and years, uh, working on my fourth book, and I actually have a uh, – a collection of poems and short stories that I have titled <clears throat> Shade. I just haven't gone to uh, print yet. 
Um, anyway, while you were talking about this, I started thinking of uh, the Apostle Paul as he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesian, the, the congregation there, and what it must have been like as they, and I'm sure they gathered and the local church leader, pastor, whatever they called him then, um, was reading Paul's letter and this group of new believers, Christians are gathered, you know, uh, they, they weren't popular. And at the time, you know, there was a lot of persecution and, uh, you know, they're sitting on pins and needles to hear from Paul and he calls them a poem of God. I mean, I, I just, the encouragement that must have come from that, you are God's poetry. You are all a poem that he is writing and he adds to it every single day. When you wake up, you are another blank page and he begins to write. And that must have been just incredibly encouraging. And uh, last, you know, as we talked about this last Sunday, um, my wife and I, we lead church at, uh, or lead worship at a church in uh, Ebony, Virginia. And uh, I encouraged the congregation and I brought that up again and just encouraged people. And I think it's just an incredible um, message from the gospel. I mean, it, it's the heart and soul of the gospel, you know, as opposed to do you know where you're going to go when you die? Um, I mean, what better way to introduce the gospel to someone by telling them you are a poem being written by yeah. God. And uh, I went online, looked at a few things. And, and of course, a shameless plug, I downloaded a couple of my favorites that I've written. And I know you've written a lot too. We we're uh, kindred spirits. Um, yeah. But uh, the, uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, this writer, I, I'm fortunate I didn't write his name down, but the, Eric, and you've talked about him, Eric Lydell or Liddell, the Olympic cross country yeah. runner. Yeah. From chariots of fire. Uh, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And what he was saying is that running is his poetry and yeah. it became a worldwide platform for him to glorify God and draw others to his faith. Um, his running was both an act of worship and an act of obedience and living out his purpose, you know, and this kind of, as simple as this is, it doesn't land with most people because we get so accustomed to routine, religious routine, religious obligation. And so to look at, you know, as running as worship, some people can't grasp that worship is something you do in church on Sunday morning or, you know, your devotion time. And, um, as the artist seeks to express himself in his work, because you and I, we share our writing every day. Uh, it's a good discipline. It's a great discipline for all you young writers out there. <laughs> it's a, find a friend and yes, write back and forth. Yeah, find an, another writer, a friend that has the same aspirations and start writing and sharing. Yeah. And uh, it's just a great discipline. And uh, as the artist seeks to express himself in his work, so God expresses himself in us just incredible. And so, and that I, I begin to think about when I write, when I just get that thought, I get that emotion. Um, again, I live in Southside, Virginia, 16 acres. I call it the Emerald Forest. And um, th there's just those mornings that are, um, that are literally 
painted by God. I know people say that a lot, but it's just so picturesque and so quiet and calm and either that or on, on uh, the lake and just those moments to where it, that emotion rises up in you and you feel like you're truly in the presence of greatness and you try to capture that emotion, capture that picture. And it just swirls and spins in me. And it, it's to me, my mom was an artist. She was a great artist, a great painter. I can't paint. I mean, I can paint a wall, but you know, but if you need a stick man, I'm your guy. Actually, I thought about starting a business called Stickman Graphics. I think somebody already took it <laughs> and, uh, but I can, so I'm, I, I write and I've been writing since I was a kid. And, uh, so that's how I paint. I paint my pictures through words and, uh, another, um, paragraph that I found that really spoke to me was that, uh, this writer said that poetry is more of a witness than an evangelist. Poetry is unafraid of unfinished stories, geological devastation, or political threat because it has learned to embrace hope as a peaceful protest against their antagonisms and taunts. Poetry choose, chooses firstly to display beauty clothed in mystery to the world around it, then secondly, the dissemination of information. It's a picture. It's a canvas. Um, and you and I have been going through the Old Testament, uh, Tim Mackey's, you uh, version, and uh, we're in. We just wrapped up the Song of Solomon. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> I know, and <laughs> you know, and uh, I was desperately. I think today was the last. Yeah, today was the last day. It, the last couple of days reading this, and I'm like, it seems just like it was arbitrarily dumped in the book. And I know that's not the purpose. God is not arbitrary. He just doesn't, you know, do things. To, I'm sure he does stuff for fun. I mean, Jesus did. But here's this book in the middle of prophecy and revelation and truth and wisdom and life and healing and hope. And uh, boom, this thing lands. And so in this morning, as I'm reading it and I'm trying to find something, and we, we have talked a lot about the great renewal, the return of the kingdom of God, the return of Eden. And... Um, and then I began to see in that poetry, the relationship between the church and, and her king. And um, that as graphic as it may be, there is there's something pure and that is underlined in this. And that is the absolute love of one for another and that is what we're going to experience. But it's hard for most people to look at it from that perspective of something so much deeper and greater and intimate than, you know, skin on skin. It is a love story of our father. It's the, it's yeah. his love story and his love for creation. And he truly does. I mean, he says, you know, for God so loved the world, for God so loved his creation that he gave his only, but he gave himself, his son. They were, uh, you know, one. So yeah. what an incredible picture of the artistry and creativity of our father and that he looks at you and I and everybody else as you are my poetry. You are a poem. And uh, all he wants to do is for us to let him write it. 
And I think, yeah. And to me that, to me, that is the, um, the greatest evangelical message I think you can give someone instead of taking them down the Romans road, asking them where they're going to go when they die is just to tell them, do you, you are a poem that God is writing. I mean, it's just so encouraging to me. And, um, um, yeah, I think the further the further we get from the heart of God, the less personal things become and the more transactional it becomes. Because it just, the question, do you know where you're going to go when you die, strikes me as very transactional. Like, yeah. I've done this, so we get this. Or That's I good. haven't done this, so we don't get this. When the heart of God is all about invitation to relationship and it's it's color and it's beauty and it's Mm. Uh, vivaciousness and as you were talking earlier about living in the emerald forest and you know everybody has their their place john john eldridge said everybody has their eden place you know yeah. that, that place where you just kind of come alive um, for me it's like the times that i have been in the mountains or in the forest it just it's beautiful i love it and the the beach is, is that way too and um, for my wife, Amy, like we were talking one day about like, where's your happy place, you know, kind of go there mentally, where is it? And for her, she kind of pictures herself like on this rock outcropping, you know, just staring out at the ocean, you know, and the waves are coming up and she's getting seawater splashed on her face. And, um, but yeah, I think the reason we appreciate that stuff is because it's it's like an echo of the heart of God. Mm. And uh, at a moment like that, um, that's been some time back now, I think a couple of years ago, I was just spending time with God and I don't know what I was praying about or what was going on, but I just really got overwhelmed with this emotion of like, oh, I really, I love you, Jesus. Mm. I love you, God. And it was a very quick, like just kind of a flash. God's like, that's how I feel about you. Wow. And it, it just became this awareness of like, I'm, f I'm just reflecting what I'm getting from God. Like I'm his masterpiece, you know, mm -hmm. like we are his masterpiece and any uh, affection and love and tenderness that we feel uh, toward God or toward others or toward his creation is just one tiny component of the abundance that just comes out of the heart of God mm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I thought that was really beautiful. What a, yeah. What a life-changing perspective and attitude, you know, that people could truly get a hold of that, um, that we are God's masterpieces, each one of us. Um, yeah, you know, someone's always going to go off the rails with that, you know, and become, you know, I, someone close to me years ago used to say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King and the King wants his kids happy. And, uh, it's, you know, there's some truth yeah. to that, I guess, but it was the way that it was said. It was just, you know, very selfishly childish and, uh, yeah. to where, um, you know, you expect to go through life without any, any kind of restraint or, um, you know, mandates any purpose. It's just, everything should be handed like a, a, you know, a spoiled prince, 
Um, but to get a hold of that, it, that kind of an environment, you know, I think of, um, it just popped into my head. I'm, I think of, uh, the prodigal and the pious, the brothers, you know, you those two guys, a, a parable, you could even call it, you know, abstract poetry, uh, the heart of God writing. And that these two guys grew up in the same house with the same father and neither one of them knew where they lived and neither, neither one of them knew their father. And that is an incredible but tragic picture of the church. Um, it is a cautionary tale. And that are, you know, we, I mean, anybody that's been to any church for, you know, any amount of time, a, a year or better, and you actually got plugged in, you find yourself in those situations where you've got the prodigals and the pious and the biased and the angry and the, you know, the, uh, the, the bearded scholars and, and the rough and tumbles. And it, it just, this, you know, this soup pot, uh, vegetable soup pot of believers. And, uh, but if we can get a hold of that, that goes deeper than just uh, one more Christian bumper sticker of, you know, um, I, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored, you know, I'm blessed my coming and my going where we just, this mantra of, uh, of getting, you know, of what I get like transactional is what it is. That's really good. It, but to truly get a hold of that, of the heart of God in that him saying that it would literally change the face of our churches overnight. Yes. You know, because then we would begin to see other people as poetry. And what, yeah. I, I want to go to that church. <laughs> yeah. What a you know, that reminds me of uh, a quote that we've, you know, cited numerous times. I don't know if it's on the podcast, but certainly in our writing back and forth is <clears throat> C.S. Lewis. Um, and I would pull the quote up. I don't need to take me a minute to search for it, but he said, um, you've never met a, a normal person oh. or a regular person. Like we are, it's, it's a, a frightful thing to live in a society of potential gods and goddesses that we are every single one of us proceeding toward one destiny another or another. We are either, uh, a, a nightmare such that we only meet or, a horror such that we only meet in our nightmares, or we are a being of such incomparable glory that if we saw it now, we would be strongly tempted to worship. Wow. Those people yeah. that are growing closer and closer to the heart of God are growing in the glory and the love and the power and the beauty and the, just the kindness. Like when Paul lists out the, the fruit of the spirit, it's love, joy, peace, yeah. patience, kindness, humility, faithfulness, you know, all of these wonderful things like, that's the heart of God being written on us. And once we really get a hold of that, you're absolutely right. It completely changes the way we go to church. It, it changes the way we order takeout. It changes the way we go to sporting events. There you go. When we realize that every single person around us is heading toward one destiny or another. And it's our responsibility as people who want to represent God to the world to help people toward that future of glory and beauty and poetry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's somewhat sobering. I love that quote by him, but you know, I, 
everybody talks about, and you see it on social media, people that you know, people around the world, they'll see something gorgeous, a sunset, whatever, you know, and uh, yeah. they, they always attribute that to God. But yet it's such a, uh, a stretch to see each other like that. Because if God, it, yeah. I mean, he is, obviously he's the creator. He's, he is the artist. He's writing poetry every single day. And yet it's so difficult. And, you know, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody but myself sometimes to, you know, to see the woman who cut in front of me at the gas station last Sunday after church in a crowded gas station as a poem. I, she was more of a limerick that day. <laughs> One that I can't repeat, <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. So those things, it, it is sobering, but it is encouraging at the same time. Incredibly encouraging to, to see our father that way. And, you know, we've shared the stories. I've shared it too for the longest time. You know, I was terrified of him and, and not in a healthy way, you know, he was the angry, surly curmudgeon, and Jesus was the only thing between him and I and keeping me from getting beat up and kicked off his lawn, you know, unhauled away in shackles. And that is so contrary to who he is. And for him to say that you are God's poetry um, should be the biggest paradigm shift for our churches is just yep. that statement alone. Yeah. And it really opens us up to be who God made us, you know, and again, you can't yeah. carry that so far as like, I get to be however I want. And well, this is just how God made me. Right. But, you know, like you mentioned, when you write, and you know, you're a, a fantastic musician as well, when you play and you're, you're, you're playing music that you've written, like, you are worshiping and expressing that particular part of God's heart. And I think one thing that people get turned off about eternity, one reason people get turned off about when they think about heaven and like, oh, we're just going to worship God forever. So we've got such a narrow view of worshiping God. We've yeah. limited it to standing and singing songs. But when you realize that, that you are the poetry of God and that you have to live life the way God moves you, like use an example of my own life. Um, I like woodworking. I'm not uh, fantastic at it, but I enjoy it and I'm getting better and I'm, you know, building my tools and my skill set. Uh, I made a dining room table for Amy and I, and I took my time on it, you know, over the course of a couple weeks, you know, not a couple weeks and eh, maybe a week putting it all together. And um, I remember specifically as I was sanding the tabletop, I just like, I felt Sounds a little corny even to say it out loud, but I believe it. I felt God close to me, and I felt him telling me, slow down, wow. take your time. Really? I, it was a really beautiful experience where I felt like I love that. this is an act of worship. You know, God is I love it. involved in this, and he cares about this just as much as he cares about my Bible reading, just as much as he cares about my prayer life, because yeah. there's so much in the heart of God that's outside the, the typical things that we would think of, you know, mm -hmm. the same way ministry can be a whole lot of things other than just standing behind a pulpit. Worship can be a whole lot of things other than singing and playing music. You know, it can be running. It can be, my wife is a phenomenal baker. Like she just, she gets in the kitchen and she starts creating things and 
you know, it just brings tears to my eyes <laughs> tasting cupcakes and cookies. And my doctor has some words to say about that, but <laughs> that's a topic for another conversation. But there's just so many things that are part of the heart of God. And it really does set us free to, we're not constrained by religion anymore. We are free to experience the full heart of God. Oh. We realize that we are his poetry and this is okay. It's okay to be who he's created us to be. That's beautiful. That is absolutely stunning. I love it. I really do. It's very freeing too. And you know, yeah, you, uh, yeah, the trick is, is, uh, introducing that. I mean, it's nothing new. It's as old right. as time itself. And, uh, getting that message to land to get it, it to people, you know, um, that it, it's, you're right. When you, you're telling a story about that table, that just, that's beautiful. And, um, to encourage people that, um, uh, it's okay that it, there's such a divide between what we do Monday through Friday and then what we do on yeah. Sunday. There's such a huge divide, you know, to where we literally unplug and do what we got to do in the world and then go plug back in for 90 minutes, you know, uh, closer to two if you're charismatic. Uh, if, you're main, if you're main line, you know, it's 55 minutes and you're out the door and on your way to, you know, Applebee's or your restaurant of choice. Um and it's so, um, it's almost like starving yourself or just truly missing that. And that, that I think is my conundrum at times is how to incorporate and, and encourage people in that way. I know that when I finished my first book, Penny Lane, and I sent out quite a few of them and I had a lot, a thank you. I had a lot of testimonies of people that uh, I, I, you know, I was writing and it, it was just, a, to me, it was a story, you know, and, uh, but it, uh, in hindsight, I realized it truly was birthed by God and, and he, yeah. he gave me the story and, um, uh, a lot of people were touched. A lot of people wept. There was one woman in particular who it was so close to home, but it brought such healing to her, you know, and I was, um, humbled, you know, so you're right. Um, whether you're right, whether we're running or making a table or writing a book or fixing, making cupcakes, you know, or healing the masses, you know, yeah. my wife has been in healthcare for several decades and, uh, she has prayed for so many people, saw the hand of God move in this, yeah. you know, uh, medical environment, uh, corporate medical, you know, um, and still you can be an ambassador you can be a masterpiece there so it's beautiful man i i really like it and i think this is the new message is that um the only limitation to god's ability to give is our capacity to receive right open hands right. open hands i was just gonna say you can't receive if your hands aren't open yeah yeah um think, speaking of shameless plugs <laughs> i uh my daughter, she will be 29 in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. You feel old. Yeah, well, yeah, you held her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Piggyback. <laughs> I know. I just, I know. 29 now. Yeah. So anyway, I remember not long ago, 
several years ago. She really got her heart broke. And uh, I felt her heartbreak, her heartache. And of course, I overnighted some chocolate covered strawberries to her. And but I wrote mm. this, I wrote this specifically for her. <clears throat> Everybody gets their heart broke. And if you're lucky, it will break twice, leaving the pieces of forever along this road called road called life. You'll find the tender chamber in the corners in the dark as you place one foot in front of the other and convince yourself to start to breathe and not look back too soon. The tears, you know, will dry. So it's okay to break down today. It's okay to cry from here. Tomorrow seems miles away, but the miles will swiftly fly. And someday somewhere, someone will find you with the pieces you left behind. And she's engaged to an incredible guy. He is a, um, he doesn't know it, but I call him the answer because <laughs> the answer to my prayers. So yeah, it, that, you know, and when we were talking about this and I was thinking about it this week, um, and I started thinking of all the things that I've written over the years and, uh, it gives it a new perspective, Paul. It, it uh, it does. It really kind of, it, uh, kind of chokes me up a little bit that, um, this is something that not only has God given me, he is writing as I'm writing, you know, and I don't want it to yeah. be this, you know, existential weirdness, but you begin to feel his heartbeat, you yeah. know, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So, and, you know, to tie this, I mean, it's just a natural tie in to the great renewal hmm. is we know now that we are called to partner with Jesus in the healing of the world. And that yes. doesn't start later. Right. That starts right now. Absolutely. You know, some people maybe have larger roles in the healing of the world. I was reading the other day an N.T. Wright's book, and he's talking about uh, Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela and their role in yeah. ending apartheid in South Africa. Like, that's a they did an amazing thing. They were part of an amazing thing. And actually, Dallas Willard had a unknown but significant role in that, too, which is kind of cool. Really? But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was talked about it in this book a little bit, but. Um, the, the, the visibility that is cast on our role in healing the world isn't what matters. It's how faithful are we to the call that God put on our lives? Like, are we doing what he called us to do? Are we creating and giving and serving and loving and, and, um, yeah, I think it boils down to love. Are we loving the world the people in the world, the way God called us to, because it's the, it's the doing and it's the faithfulness to that call that matters. And that's how we help heal the world. That's how we, you know, pave the way for the return of Jesus, the Messiah, the King to come back and renew everything and finish the work that he started. You know, like this is this message of we are the poetry of God that sets us free, brings us right into the, very present, very powerful, active, dynamic kingdom of God right here and right now. Hmm. Yeah. We are living on poetry. Yes. We're living on it and in it. We're living in, you know, I mean, it really kind of can just yeah, get really big, really fast. You know? It's huge. I, mean, 
yeah, I think that's where we're getting into the heart of God and we're realizing just how expansive it is. Yeah. Like this encompasses everything. I mean, scripture says, you know, when Jesus returns, he will turn the kingdom of he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father and he will finally fill all in all. Mm. Like we're we're part of God getting his creation back and ruling and then all the best stories that we've ever heard become true. Hmm. Wow. It's exciting. I know it is. It just completely destroys any ambivalence. Yeah. I know. I love it. Yep. I love it. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end. It feels like a, a a good landing spot. Mm Mm-hmm. I do too. One final point. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. Maybe one day we should go back and revisit the the actual title of the Cosmic Car Wash and why we chose that. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, Yes, God is not mad at you. And um, I wrote this some time ago, just one of those little quips, quotable quote, at least I think so. Rarely does life give you what you want. It gives you what you are. So be kind. Be kind. Yeah. That's good. All right. We ended a little abruptly last week. So this week I want to make sure to say, if you like this, if you want to hear more, please like the video, subscribe to our our channel. Yes. We would love to connect with you if you want to talk more about this. Again, we're not scholars or theologians, you know, who – you know, sit in these vast libraries, just pouring over, you know, ancient texts all day long. We're just two regular guys. Just fishermen. love God. Just, yeah, just fishermen. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can reach us at info at uh, com, and uh, we'll reply to you and invite you into this thing that God is doing for us and with us and through us and, yeah. and showing us. Yeah. It is it's beautiful and it has literally changed our lives. Absolutely. So, all right. We'll talk to you again next week. Later. <laughs>